Alright, good morning, good morning. Hope you're having a fantastic day in the Lord. My name is Eddie D, and you are watching the True Gospel Morning Show. Uh, we're with you 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Monday through Friday, and certainly glad to be among you guys this morning. Hope you guys are, have had a fantastic weekend and are having a great start to your morning thus far. And grateful and excited to be among you guys once again. Uh, grateful to give us an opportunity to just be inspired and enlightened by the Lord uh, to go out and have a fantastic week in his name uh, so hope you guys are having a great day hope you guys are having a great start to your day or an end to your day depending upon where you're listening from and um, just grateful to be among you guys one more time uh, we're going to start off with a word of prayer and then we're going to jump into our word for this morning um, in Psalm 32 to have a to start off our discussion for the day feel free to drop down in the comment box with any questions or comments that you may have just remember to keep it classy in the comment box um, and all comments are welcome um, so again just remember just to keep it classy down in the comment box uh, good morning Cypress good to see you this morning hope you're having a fantastic day um, and so grateful and thankful for you guys for um, for you know for coming in and thank you so much for just giving us this opportunity to be able to um, to talk to you guys on this morning. Going to start off again with a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump right in to our word for this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for gathering us here together to give your name, praise, glory, and honor through this worship this this uh, morning show on today. We ask, Lord God, that you just give us a heart posture of worship to you. Um, that we keep you uppermost in our allegiances and our affections on today. Uh, Lord God, we ask that the words that come from my mouth be none of me and all of thee. We ask, Lord God, that you strengthen and encourage us in a mighty and powerful way. Um, allow us to grow closer to you. And as we draw closer to you, God, that you just empower us, you equip us, you um, encourage us, Lord God, that you uh, strengthen us with more of your love, more of your grace, more of your forgiveness, more of your uh, power, more of your might, more of your joy, more of your patience, more of your kindness, more of your self-control. Lord God, all the fruit of the Spirit, we're just asking that you just give us a double portion of that on today, that it may embolden us to, to, be, um, to, to be bold before your people, uh, both uh, saved and unsaved, to, to speak more uh, boldly about you to live out the life that you have told us to live out uh, for your name's sake and that we just glorify you in everything that we say and do. We thank your son Jesus Christ that made this all possible when he got on the cross and died for our sins that we may be called the, the children of God, I mean, <clears throat> may be called righteous, may be called the heirs of God, the joint heirs with Christ, may be called uh, the image bearers of God and may be redeemed and be restored to our rightful place in you. Lord God, we recognize that we cannot be fully human without you ruling and reigning in our hearts, Lord. And so we're thankful for Jesus Christ for paving the way for us to be able to have communion and connection with you upon repentance and belief. And all these things would be so careful to give your name praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you guys again so much for coming. We hope that you guys are having a fantastic day. Um, and let's just, spend, let's just spend some time in the Lord on this morning. Um, again, feel free to fill out that comment box below uh, with any questions or comments that you may have. Um, I'm stopping the comment box right now so that I can, you know, stay focused. But feel free to drop down in the comment box and later on in the show I'll scroll down and read every comment that's been written 
um, and maybe answer questions or comments that you may have along the way. Um, we're going to start our day off today um, in Psalm 32. Uh, this is a Psalm of David, and he, he says in the word, um, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and whose spirit, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away, through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was dried up as the, by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Therefore let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from my trouble. You surround me with the shouts of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a bit and bridle, or it will not stay, with, stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Many of us in the individualized world that we live in today, um, more so than in any other generation, um, but, well, no, no, let me, let me, let me back up, let me back up, because uh, I, because it's not necessarily true. <clears throat> Many of us, despite the generations, have been taught to not look like what we go through. Uh, many of us in a lot of a lot of Christian circles have been taught growing up to not look like what we're going through. And so for many of us, we don't know how to confess our sins one to another. Uh, we don't really know how to tap into the power of confession. Um, we keep secrets. We, 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 we keep things to ourselves. We don't really let people know what we have going on, what we've been going through, you know, how life has been the way that it's been for us. And as a result, we don't really know how to tell people what we have going on in our own lives. Um, we don't know how to have conversations with people close to us about the things that we struggle with. Um, some people would call this an anxious attachment. Some people would call this an avoided attachment. Um, some, some people would call this boundary issues. But all in all, we have a tendency to not know how to talk about our problems and to talk about our issues, um, to talk about our sins, to talk about our struggles. And as a result, for a lot of us, we don't know how to deal with letting go of our sin letting go of our faults, letting go of our shortcomings. We tend to want to keep that to the back. We want to put that off to the side. 
cover it up with pretty stuff. Put a mask on. Put on put on makeup, so to speak. Put on, you know, nice clothes and put on nice shoes and put on a mask of, you know, strong faith or a mask of invincibility or a mask of invulnerability. And as a result, we don't really know how to talk to people about our issues and talk to people about our problems and talk to people about the things that we have going on in our walk of God, in our walk of faith. And because of that, a lot of us don't know how to fight. We don't know how to grow in our faith. We don't know how to grow in our relationship with God. We don't know how to, you know, tell people what's going on with us. We don't like talking to people about what's going on with us. We'd rather keep that stuff to ourselves. It's between me and God. It's, 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 between, it's the issue between me and God. <clears throat> I had this person, um, and y'all may have heard, you may have heard me talk about this before, um, but I had this person um, in my therapy sessions once who said that he felt, you know, a compulsion by the Lord to divorce his wife and, you know, was saying that, you know, there was a whole lot of stuff going on in him that he didn't know how to tell and he was going through a lot of stress and the doctor said that if you're going to live the next 30, 40, 50 years, you're going to have to deal with the stress that you're dealing with. And the conclusion that he came to was that his wife was stressing him out. And so she he needed to divorce her. <clears throat> and so he never said anything to her, never confessed the issues, never confessed the problems, never said anything. He just said, I don't want to be in this marriage no more. And God is calling me on to a special mission. And it requires me to be divorced from the from the family and to not, you know, be here anymore. And all the while, she's like, I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand why things are happening the way they're happening. And it wasn't until well after the divorce papers are being drawn that he finally confessed that he had some issues with her. And she's like, but you never said anything to me. As often as I came to you and asked you, hey, are you okay? Hey, what's going on? Hey, you, are you all right? You never said anything to me. You never said how you doing. You never said what's going on. You never said, hey, you know, can I, can I talk to you? You never said, hey, let's sit down. I need some things to discuss. And even when you said you wanted therapy, you didn't want therapy because you wanted to work on us. You wanted therapy because you'd already made up your mind about what you were going to do. So you never had any intention of really working on things with me. You've always just wanted to leave. You just always wanted to get out. You just always wanted to end the marriage in this attempt to save yourself. You never thought maybe I can talk to my wife about the issues and we can actually work on some things and be at peace and, um, and come to peace and come to terms with what's going on right now. You never said anything to me. And it's often the case that for some of us, we don't talk about our issues. We don't talk about our problems. We don't talk about the sin. We don't talk about how we've fallen short. We don't talk about our weaknesses. We don't talk about any of those things. We mask those things with 
invincibility, with invulnerability, with, you know, I don't want anybody to know what I'm going through. I don't want to look like what I'm going through. God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. We're supposed to be strong. We're supposed to be victorious. We're supposed to, you know, embody the songs that we're singing on Sunday. We're supposed to, to look like our pastors and our deacons and our, you know, sisters and our first ladies who look like they've got it all together and they look like they're invincible and look like they're just walking in the, in the strength of God and walking in faith. I need to look like them and not really talk about what's going on with me. But if, if life teaches us anything, is that the more that we don't talk about our issues, the more we don't talk about our problems, the more that we don't discuss what's going on with us, the more vulnerable we become and susceptible we become to attack. We become more susceptible to attacks from the enemy. We become more susceptible to attacks of our own mind and our own feelings. And we sometimes run the risk of falling short of the glory of God by virtue of not giving our faults and our flaws to the master by way of confession of our issues and our sins. Uh, David says it like this in Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. The one thing that we have to remember about God is that he sees all and knows all. This We're talking about the all-knowing God. He knows us on such a deep and intimate level that he knows what we're going to do before we even do it. <clears throat> and he knows what we're going through. He knows our issues, he knows our faults, and he knows our flaws. So we can't hide from God. That's first and foremost. But God is also not a God who just wants to be like, Ha ha, see? You're doing wrong. I got you. He doesn't want us to feel as if we are, you know, um, that he is a, you know, a horrible father who's out here just trying to point out faults and flaws. He is a loving father who wants us to draw near to him and talk to him about the issues and struggles that we have. He wants us to boldly go before the throne of grace. And ask him for, you know, love and ask him for forgiveness and ask him for um, and ask him for help in our issues, not just to forgive our sin, but to help us with our sin. I can't remember exactly where it is, but it's somewhere in the book of Hebrews. If you guys will bear with me for a second. Hebrews chapter 4, starting with verse 14. Hebrews chapter 4, starting with verse 14. Hebrews chapter 4, starting with verse 14. Since we then have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So God tells us, I want you to come boldly before me and talk to me about the issues, talk to me about the problems. 
you know, already know them anyway. So I don't want you to feel like you have to, you know, hide, try to hide anything from me. I don't need you to be perfect. I need you to be authentic. I need you to be real. I need you to be raw. I need you to tell me what's going on. I need you to talk to me about what's going on. Because confession is not for me. Jesus Christ. I, I already know everything. It's, it's not, it's, the confession is not for me. Confession is for you. Confession is for you. Um, if we go up to verse 11, go up in verse 11, we see he says to us, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall short, but may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and the spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the, the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So again, he's saying, I already see it. I already see it. Like I already see it. Just like I just like we see plain as day. I already see what you're going through. I already see what issues you have. I already see what's going on. And for most of us, when some when we're exposed, when we're seen for who we really are, we that we that, that vulnerability that hits hard. And for a lot of us we don't like it. I'm watching this show called um called The Good Place with Kristen Bell and, and um and Ted Danson um Ted 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 Danson and um and in the show uh uh Kristen Bell's role Eleanor has this difficult time with being vulnerable. Anytime she feels vulnerable in any kind of way, her defense mechanism is to go the offensive. Let me attack the person who's making me feel vulnerable so that they'll leave me alone. That they won't they, they, they won't see me for who I really am. I don't want them to see my, my vulnerability. I don't want them to see my weakness. I don't want them to see me looking like this. I want to be presented as strong. I want to be presented as, you know, in, in, invincible. And so anytime she has a moment of vulnerability or anytime she has a moment of weakness, she goes on the attack. As an attempt to try to hide the vulnerability that she has, um, that she's going that she's going through at the time, and once she was exposed for even doing that, she realized, oh man, every time I get vulnerable, I get vulnerable. Every time I feel vulnerable, I start to push people away. I start to you know put the mask back on and tell people I don't need them. I don't need you. I get, I'm I'm good by myself. I don't need you. Get away from me. I don't need you. And Jesus says to us here, when we get, when we're, when we're exposed, we're going to feel that sense of vulnerability. And when we feel that sense of vulnerability, we're not to run in the opposite direction of God. But that's what a lot of us have done. That's what a lot of us do. When we feel vulnerable, when we feel like we're exposed, when we feel like we are really seen, when we feel like our sins are being looked upon, especially by a holy God, our tendency is to want to back all the way up because we don't want to feel that. So we grow silent. We put on masks. We put on invincibility. We put on strength. And we pretend like everything's okay when it couldn't be further from the truth. But he says to us that the, the word of the Lord, and that word of the Lord, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, the word, it's going to read us. It's going to expose us for who we really are and what we're really going through. What's really going on in our lives, what we're really struggling with, what we're really dealing with, what our sin issues are, what our sin counts are, what, what's hurt our feelings, 
who hurt us, all all of that, all of those things are going to be laid are laid bare before the Lord. And again, it's not that God is looking at us like He's putting us on trial and putting and putting the evidence before us like a detective. No, it is exposing us so that we can see just how much we need the Lord to show us that despite how strong we may think we are, our strength before God is like a lamb facing a lion. Our invincibility before the Lord is like is like an ant meeting an elephant. It's just there there is no competition. We are outmatched, we are outpinned, we are we are we are um we are un, we are outdone by the almighty God. But that space is not to make us afraid of God. That there should be a reverential fear, no doubt about that, but the fact that we're exposed is not a means of God trying to make us afraid of him. More, more than that, he wants us to draw near to him so that we can work on the issues, work on the problem, and figure out what it is that's keeping us from being um, from from putting God at the uppermost of our affections and our attentions, and you know, and making us you know more prone to wanting to go down the rabbit hole of sin and shame and guilt. He says, since then, in verse fourteen of chapter four of Hebrews, since then we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest. Who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. And I'm going to press pause there. To go back to Psalm 32. Because Paul said. I mean not Paul. But David says that he felt the weight. Felt the weight of God pressing down upon him. When he realized that his sin was exposed before the almighty God. When I kept silent. My bones wasted away. Through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Y'all come on. Especially for us as believers. Us as believers. When we know that we are that we know that we are not where we're supposed to be, when we know that we've fallen short, we know we're not in line with God, we can feel that thing. We feel it in our bones. We feel it in our core. We feel it in our souls that we're not aligned with where God wants us to be. We know that God has set the standard before us and says, this is the way to peace. This is the way to joy. This is the way to hope. That Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That I am the way to peace. I am the truth of peace. And I am the life. And because of that, we know where, where we're supposed to be. We know where we're supposed to be lined up. But by being silent about what we're, what we're struggling with, by being silent about what's going on inside of us, our bones waste away. Our, our souls can't take it. Then the more that God exposes the issues and problems and sin that we have, that grief that we feel in our souls is supposed to be a godly grief that leads to, that leads to repentance. And produces a salvation without regret. And as a result, when we feel the weight of that, that is not a, that is not a sign to run. What we want to do is we want to hide. We want to get under covers. We want to run. We want to run under our beds. 
We want to run into our closets and we want to close the door and lock away the key and, and lock the door and close and, and throw away the key. We don't want anybody to go in there. We want to keep our journals and keep our diaries and keep those things, get those secrets locked away. We want to bury them down into the depths of the ocean where no man can get to them. We want to put them as far down into the ground as we can so nobody can see them. But God is saying, I got a shovel. God is saying, I'm going to dry up the ocean. He's saying, I got the key to unlock your diaries. I got the key to unlock your doors. I got the key to unlock your treasure boxes. And I can see everything. And just when you thought you were hiding your stuff from me, nah, you're getting exposed. You're getting exposed for the person that you are, for the, for the, for the person that, for the issues that you're struggling with. Talking back about my client, you know, he wanted so badly to keep all this stuff hidden from his children, but God, God arranged it in such a way to where he couldn't even hide the issue from his children. And he had to confess to them, you know, he had to confess to them why he was walking away from the marriage. And why he was walking away from them. He tried to clean it up and be like, no, I'm not trying to walk away from y'all. And I still love y'all and all that stuff. But the damage had already been done. He had been fully exposed before them. And how, he, how, mu how much better could it have been had he confessed his faults to, you know, to, to, to God, confessed his faults to his wife, and, and then work on the issues together rather than bottling it all up and go and getting to a place where he had convinced himself that God was endorsing him walking away from a marriage that there was no reason, no godly reason to walk away from the marriage whatsoever. God is saying to us that we have to recognize that when we're feeling the weight of vulnerability, feeling the weight of our sin, feeling the weight of our shortcomings, feeling the weight of being turned in the opposite direction of God, that when we feel that wasting away in our souls, that is not a sign to walk away from him. That is not a sign to run away from him. That is a sign to draw near to him. For, Paul, for David says... <clears throat> In verse 5 of Psalm 32, I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. <clears throat> so in Hebrews chapter 4, he says to us in verse 14, Since we then have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, Get without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. The writer of Hebrews is saying the best place that we can the best place that we can go to when we're struggling with our issues and struggling with our problems is God, Christ, the Holy Spirit, just and the justifier. The one who sympathizes with us, 
by virtue of becoming like man himself and walking this earth and struggling with everything in, in that humanity struggles with yet without sin not so that he can boast and say I was able to do it so you can do it too but to say to us you can't walk this walk without me you need me to be fully human and to walk in alignment and lockstep with who you are as a image bearer of God as a child of God as an ambassador of Christ as an heir of God as a joint heir with Christ as the beloved we are the chosen race the royal priesthood we need the Lord in our lives in order to be who God has called us to be and do what God has called us to do and to walk in lockstep with him. We cannot do this without the Lord. So we should boldly go before the throne of grace and say, Jesus, I need your help. Jesus, I need your guidance. Jesus, I need your patience. Jesus, I need you to help me to see what I can't see. To help me understand and unpack why I keep running to this sin. Why I keep running to this fault. Why I keep running to this flaw. <clears throat> to use confession. To use open confession as the doorway to receive the love and the grace and the kindness and the forgiveness and the mercy of God. To revel and bask in the love and grace that God has given us so that we can be made more like him. The, one of the things that I love about therapy is that it gives people the real opportunity to take an in-depth look at themselves and to see why things are the way that they are. To tie, the, to, 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 to tie and tether the past to the present, to the future. To understand, this is why I do what I do. This is how it came to be. And this is what I want to be that's different than where I am. And in that space, I tell people all the time, therapy gives you an opportunity to make different choices by exposing where you are right now and what, what brought you to where you're at. I thank God for the therapy that I went through. It gave me the things that I needed to see and understand to take before God and say, God, I got people pleasing issues. God, you know, I got issues where I don't trust the people who are closest to me with me because I'm afraid they're going to abandon me. God, I used to think of you the same way. Where if I'm doing something wrong or if I'm doing something bad, you're going to abandon me. You're going to strike me with lightning bolts. You're going to withhold your love from me. You're going to withhold your forgiveness from me. You're going to withhold your kindness from me. And so I've been trying so hard to look like I'm the perfect person. And yet, all the while, I've been struggling with these issues of wanting to make everybody happy at my expense. Not knowing who I am and what I really like and what I really want. Not living a life that's really my own. You know, not really loving you and basking in the love that you've given me. Not loving my own people the way that they're supposed to be loved. Not giving my wife the proper respect and the honor and the dignity and the love and the kindness and the connection that she is owed, not just because she's my wife, although that title means, holds a lot of weight, but because she is an image bearer of God who I've decided that we're going to share life with, to give her my secrets, to give her my uppermost, to give her the, um, 
the close the closest connection to me that I'm not being a good example for my daughters to see and to know that this is what it means for a husband to marry a wife and what it means to be uh, to be in a loving relationship and how to share and and have that love with you guys that I'm that I wasn't doing all those things and as a result now that I know what's going on with me Jesus I need your help allow me to put you in the uppermost of my affection so that I now can be um, the child of God that you called me to be to no longer need anyone else's approval to not need anyone else's validation to not need anyone else's acceptance to not need anyone else's care, um, you know care and concern that the care and concern that I have it all comes from you that because I have the connection between you and me I'm good regardless of who loves me now. I'm good regardless of because regardless of who cares about me. I'm good regardless of you know who gives me a pat on the back. Do I want the validation? Do I love the validation? Do I revel in the validation? Absolutely. But I no longer idolize it to the point where I'm no longer able to be truthful about who I am or truthful about what I do. I can walk in truth. I can walk in honesty. I can walk in love and I can walk in acceptance of who I am in light of who God is as he's aligning me and molding me and shaping me from one degree of glory to the next. And now that I know that, I can boldly go before the throne of grace and say, God, help me with this. Make me more like you. That is what confession does for us. It causes us to come alive. To be enlivened. When but when when um David is saying that my bones wasted away, he's talking about a spiritual dying, a spiritual withering away, a spiritual a spiritual, you know, fetal position and no and not moving, not not going forward. But confession opens us up. It enlivens us. Why? Because now that we are exposed, God can go in and pull out the things that are not like him. And replace those, place those things with things that are like him. To take out, um, believe it's in Ephesians. It is not. It is in Galatians. Nope, I was right the first time. It's in Ephesians. Is in Ephesians. Hold on, I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. Give me a minute. Is it? Hold on. Hold on. Yep, yep, yep. It's in Galatians. It's in Galatians. <laughs> I say uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. But I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife. Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before 
that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. All those things are things that we need to be confessing on a daily basis before the before God and before our, our brothers and sisters. I'm struggling with this. This is an issue of mine. I'm walking in error. This ain't this ain't how I'm supposed to be. This ain't how this isn't how God lined it up. I'm not walking out the way that God would have me to walk out. I'm not doing things the way that God would have me to do. And listen, this is not this is not easy work. Like I'm I'm talking like it's easy, but no, this is big boy stuff. This is not easy because again, we want God to forgive us, but we don't want to talk about the issues. We want God to forgive us and give us grace, but we don't want to do the work of trying to eliminate sin. Trying to push sin out. We just want God to cover it. We don't want God to eliminate it. We want him to cover it. We want to put a mask on so that we can look like strength. We want to look like vulnerability. We want to look like invincibility before people. We have pride. That's and that by itself is an issue. We 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 got we got we got big pride, big egos, and we don't want anybody to see what we're going through. But so this is big boy stuff. This isn't this isn't for the faint of heart. Being able to confess your sins, confess your faults, because we'll mistake the pain that comes from confession as bad. But like we said two weeks ago, the good life doesn't mean it's gonna feel good. But it will be good. Sometimes we got to go through the pain points in order to become more fruitful. We got to be pruned in order to become more fruitful. Jesus said to himself in the word, and you got to prune some things in order to bear more fruit. And sometimes that pruning, and no, all the time, that pruning process is painful. But we have to endure the pain in order to grow. And so, yes, we got to confess these sins and these faults before an almighty God and amongst our brothers and sisters. Not saying you got to confess it before 50,000 folk, but you know, a good two or three brothers that can hold you accountable, brothers and sisters that can hold you accountable. This is big boy stuff. Because you're talking about letting go of things that you love. Letting go of things that you crave. Letting go of things that you had been a part of you your entire life. The trauma and the issues of, of some of our past you know how we've carried that with us and we've and it's manifested itself in some really shady maladaptive behaviors we got to confess that stuff that i love pornography because of what happened when i was 7 or you know i was first exposed to it as a teenager and i just loved it so much and i've been yeah, i've been watching it my entire life or you know i i get angry with people so fast whenever they don't do what i want them to do and it's because when I was young, I never got to do anything that I ever wanted to do. And now, so if anybody ever tells me they don't want me to do, they don't want to do something I want to do, I get snappy with them. I push them away. I don't like it. Like, we got to confess these things one to another. We got to we gotta do some big boy heavyweight lifting sometimes to talk about the fact that I got addicted to drugs. I got addicted to drugs, you know, we would, we would, me and my, me and my boys, when we were young, we just used to, you know, go and hang out, and one day they exposed me to crack, and now I can't get enough of it, and now it's destroying my life, it's destroying my friends, it's destroying my family, I be thinking I can let the go, let the habit go, but then it comes back ten times stronger than it ever did before, and now it's just laying the waste to everything, but I never wanted to talk to anybody about it, because I didn't want nobody to know what was going on with me, this is big boy stuff, 
that we're talking about. Confession is good for the soul, but confession is hard. It's not easy. So don't let me, don't sit here and think I'm telling you to do something that's easy. No, confession is hard because we, some of us want so badly to look good in front of everybody. Even as believers, we still want to look good in front of people. We still got a lot of pride, a lot of ego, a lot of mask wearing because we want to look like sister so-and-so. We want to wear the big hats like sister so-and-so. We want to wear the five-piece suits like brother so-and-so. And we don't want nobody to know what we're going through because they, if they ever found out what we were going through, they would judge me. They will ridicule me. They will ostracize me. So we forget what Christ accomplished on the cross because we're afraid of what pastor's going to say. But Jesus himself, he died for our sins. He got on the cross and died so that we could live. He died so that if we have a relationship with him, if we confess our sins and faults to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. All iniquity, all all sin. He didn't say just some sin, but then others, I don't forgive. He said all of it he nailed to the cross. All of it he took care of on that day, on that fateful day on Calvary. Like he did that for us. And so we now, as the believers of God, if we repent and believe in him, he's forgiven us of everything. But it's always interesting, and again, I'm guilty, so I, I'm not picking on nobody. I'm guilty of it too, that because we want to look good in front of people, we'll translate that to God. I want to look good in God's eyes. So I won't tell God what I'm going through, even though he sees all, but I won't tell him what I'm going through. I won't tell him what my issues are. I won't lay my, my burdens bare before the throne of grace. And hold fast to confession, knowing that the mercy of God is readily accessible, readily available. The help that we need is readily accessible, readily available to anyone who is standing in need. And so God is telling us, God is telling us today, if we confess our faults one to another, if we expose our faults and our flaws and our issues and our problems, he is ready and able and willing to show us the way. To show us the way. Is it going to hurt like hell for some of us? Absolutely. I wish that there was a magic pill that God could give all of us where the taste of sin could go away just like that. I wish, you know, I wish that God had a magic button that said that if we confess our fault, that you confess your faults, all your problems will be over. I wish that that was the case. But what God tells, you know, for some, for some of us, that was how God treated us. To God be the, to God be the glory. Hey, that's what's up. More power to you. I'm glad that's that, that, that is your, um, that that's your testimony. That as soon as you gave your life to Christ, the taste of sin was gone. But for a lot of us, the taste of sin is still there. We've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, no doubt about it. And he is uppermost in our affections. But the taste of sin is still there. And it's still an active force in our lives that we are actively putting to death every single day from now till kingdom come. And some days it's easy, some days it's not. But we have a high priest who sympathizes with our weaknesses. And we can go boldly before the throne of grace. Boldly before the throne of grace. And say to the Lord, I need your help. I need your help. My bones are wasting away from my silence. My bones are wasting away. My soul is wasting away from my silence. God, I come before you boldly and say, 
I need help. I need help in this. We as the believers in God, we do not have to suffer in silence. We have a high priest who sympathizes with everything that we're going through. He was tempted with every situation and circumstance that we were and did not sin. But it's not the not sinning part that we should be, you know, grateful for, although we're grateful for it in, in this particular passage in Hebrews. It's the fact that he at all points was tempted. So he knows intimately, personally, what we're going through. And he knows that we need him, the eternal one, to help us with our issues, to help us with our problems, to help us with our transgressions, to help us with our iniquities, to help us in our cycles of sin, to interrupt them through the cycles of repentance. We need him, the cycles of sanctification, we need him for that. And so we thank God today that we as the believers in God, we don't have to suffer in silence. We don't have to suffer with issues. We don't have to suffer with problems. We don't have to suffer with our iniquities. We don't have to suffer alone. We have a Holy Spirit that's living inside of us every single day that's going to convict us of sin, but is going to comfort us in reminding us that Christ died for it all so we no longer have to live in guilt. We can feel bad, sure, but we don't, we're, no, we're not guilty because of what Christ accomplished for us. For those of us who have been struggling with sin and struggling with issues and struggling with problems, who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we offer salvation to you today by virtue of a holy, a holy and living God who says that I am ready, willing, and able to help you with whatever you're struggling with. You're struggling with porn addiction? I got you. You're struggling with promiscuity? I got you. You're struggling with, um, with, with you know, homosexual spirits? I got you. you. You're struggling with, you know, gossiping and lying? I got you. You're struggling with envy and strife and misery? I got you. You're struggling with depression? I got you. You're struggling with wanting to do people wrong and wanting to push them away whenever you get close to somebody? I got you. I got you. Whatever your issue is, gambling, I got you. Lying, I got you. Had this dude come to me last week and he was like, man, I just can't stop lying. I can't stop lying. I don't know why I lie. I lied about going to the bathroom the other day. I was like, my wife asked me where you went. And I was like, mm-hmm. Did, did the Kevin Hart. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I do that. All I got to do is tell him I'm going to the bathroom. And he was able to confess it himself. He's like, I'm just afraid that if I tell her the truth about anything, she's going to leave me. Abandonment issues. God got that. He's got that. He felt that. He felt the abandonment when he got on the cross and said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt that. He felt that abandonment for a moment. He felt it. And so God, even, even Jesus knows what abandonment feels like. Even if it was for a moment in time, he knows, what it, he knows what it feels like to feel like God has forsaken him, to feel like God has abandoned him. Now, if you go back and read the rest of the psalm, he realizes, you know, that that ain't, you know. But even then, he feels it. He sympathizes with us. You see what I'm saying? So, again, if we go boldly before the throne of grace, Jesus knows. And he's like, I got you. I got you. Whatever you're going through, I got you. You don't have to suffer alone. You don't have to struggle alone. You don't have to go through your issues alone. 
You have a holy and living God living inside of you. For the unbeliever, you have a holy and living God that is ready and willing to forgive you of all of your sin and all of your unrighteousness and all of your iniquity and give you peace in your soul. You no longer have to suffer in silence. You no longer have to suffer in 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 your iniquity. You no have no longer have to suffer with your issues. Now I will say that for some of us, for some of us as unbelievers and believers alike, we don't want to confess our problems to just any old body. Because again, you know, even Christians can be really shady when it comes to confession. You know, they turn it into the gossip line and start calling everybody and their grandma, some of them, and be like, ooh, I can't believe such and such said such and such. So we want to be careful and use discernment on who to confess our faults and flaws with. But all of us should have two or three brothers and sisters that we can call on and tell them, hey, man, I'm struggling. Hey, man, I'm going through it. Hey, can you pray with me? I really got this issue going on. And... And, and, and be able to come together in, in, in faith and say, I got you. I got you. Love covers a multitude of sin. I got you. Let's go to God and let's pray on this thing. Let's talk about this thing. Let's get you some help. Let's get you where we need you to get, where we need to get you so we can get you, so we can get you where you need to be more aligned with God, molding and shaping into his image, cut burning stuff off, purifying you to become more like pure gold. We all have a holy, the, as, as the believers in God, have a Holy Spirit living inside of us. And that Holy Spirit is meant to lead us into more love and grace of God. For the unbeliever, <clears throat> for the unbeliever, you can have you can have this peace, you can have this joy, you can have this hope. And in doing so, you're able to move forward in the love and the grace that God has given you. And be able to usher yourself into a flourishing relationship with the Lord that allows you to be free, free of the masks, free of the issues, free of the problems, free of, you know, the, the t being tethered to our sin. No longer being used as instruments of sin, but now being used as instruments of righteousness and live in peace. And so I say all that to say, we as the believers in God must utilize confession so that we can be at peace in our souls. The more that we openly confess our faults and flaws to our God, the more we can walk in peace. No longer putting on masks, no longer putting on airs, no longer walking in our pride and our ego, trying to look the part of being saved. We can trust God with our vulnerability. We can trust that if he exposes us, he is not going to leave us out there all in the dark. He's not going to leave us out there blind. He's not going to leave us out there hurt. It might hurt our feelings and we may feel some pain, but that pain is meant to make us better, not to make us bitter. And so let us boldly before, go before the throne of grace and, know, and knowing that the mercy and grace that God has given us is readily accessible at all times. And for the one who doesn't believe, we, we are saying again, that the issues and the problems that you have, you don't have to run. You don't have to hide. You don't have to run from those pain points. Those pain points are meant to push you into a relationship with the Lord if you will allow Him the space by laying yourself bare before Him and allowing Him to heal your soul, to forgive you of your sins, to clothe you with righteousness. 
We're not saying you got to clean yourself up in order to become a part of the kingdom. Like the prodigal son, you go run to the Savior dirty. Run to the Savior broken. Run to the Savior bitter. Run to the Savior hurt. He's welcoming you with open arms and saying, don't worry about all that stuff right now. I love you. We'll deal with that. We'll deal with that when we get in the house. But right now, let's go in the house. Let's go get you something to eat. Let's go clean. Let's go clean you up. Let's go. I got that. Let's let's go in the house. You ain't got to clean yourself up. I got you. I got that. That's what I'm here for. Let me do my work. You just come here. Denounce and cast and push all your chips in. Come here and I'll take care of the rest. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show right here on TikTok Live. Certainly grateful for the 637 likes um, and grateful that um, that you guys are, you know, moving, you know, forward in, um, you know, in, in your walk with God today. Thankful so, so uh, thankful so much to you guys for giving me this opportunity to be able to minister truth to you guys. Um, right now, going to go through the comments and see what's going on. Um, let's see. Um, let's see what's going on in here. Um, get rid of that one. Um, let's see. It took me all the way to the end like it normally does. Okay, here we go. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Tony Marin 916 says, to be honest, I believe some don't share their problem with what's going on with with what one goes going through because some will look down on them. Absolutely. Um, let's see. Lord have mercy. Um, let's see. Um, give me one second. Um, um, Tony Mayer continues, I'll be honest, I told someone years back what I was going through and he didn't want to talk to me. No, exactly. Um, my late wife told me you can't share everything with everyone because some are not going to understand. And that's why we said before, you have to have a spirit of discernment to know who you can share your stuff with. But I will also say that for a lot of people, we don't, um, we really know who our friends are. Our true friends are when we are going through something. Um, because our true friends will stand by us. They'll give us truth. They'll give us truth. But they won't abandon us when times get hard with us. Now, we got to also keep in mind that sometimes people will not show up the way we want them to. And sometimes that can make us feel like, oh, you're not a true friend because you're not showing up the way that I want you to. We got to allow people to show up the way God allows them to show up for us. Sometimes it's not meant for our friends to give us the the dollars that we need or the 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 housing that we need i can remember a time where my brother was in need of um of housing and you know i knew that the relationship between him and my wife at the time was not great like it was it was pretty awful 
and I knew if my brother stays with us, they're going to get into it. And then I'm going to have to hear about it. And because I'm going to have to hear about it, you know, um, it, it, it's, it's going it's gonna to pit them and, and we don't have time for that. And so I told my and so I told my parents who were trying to get me to help have him move in. I said I can't I can't in good faith do that because you know if if him and my wife get into it, I'm gonna have to hear about it. And rather than put them through that, knowing what's gonna happen because my brother ain't my brother got a hot head, you know I'd rather him I'd rather help him go find housing rather than him stay with us. Like I I can't I can't allow that to happen. And so again. Sometimes, you know, got people won't show up the way that we want them to. They're willing to show up for us, but we got to be mindful that not everybody is built and designed by the hand of God to show up the way that we want them to. And so we can't get upset with people when they don't show up the way that we want them to. If they, if they show up for us, if they show up for us, we'd, we'd be thankful and grateful for what God has allowed them to do for us. But don't get upset with them because they didn't show up the way that we wanted them to. Because again, sometimes even our closest ones, our closest people, they can't. They are incapable of showing up for us the way that we want them to. And if we're not careful, we will burn bridges with people who are meant to be the really strong people in our lives because they couldn't show up the way that we wanted them to. Sometimes what we want is not what God wants for us. And we sometimes have to get out of God's way and allow God to be God by allowing people to be who they are in God and do what they are meant to do for us. It's not meant for everybody to show up the way that we want them to, but it doesn't mean that people can't still show up for us. We just have to be grateful for how God allows them to show up for us so that we can walk out how God wants us to walk through our issues. But So yes, you can't share your stuff with everybody. But even if you share your stuff with it with, with somebody, don't expect them to show up for you the way that you want them to. If they are if they've shown that they are incapable of doing so. Be grateful for the way that they can and move forward with that. Sometimes sometimes all we need is just a soundboard. Sometimes all we really need is a soundboard. And if some if sometimes we just have that, that does a lifetime of good. Just somebody just to hear me. I don't need you to tell me what to do. I already know what to do. I already know what the I already know the problem is. I just need a vent. I just need to scream, holler. I don't I don't need nothing. I just need I just need a vent. Sometimes that does wonders for the soul. <clears throat> What's going on, D? One of my day ones. Good to see you if you're still on. Good to see you this morning. Good morning, good morning to um, Cameron Cameron Cole. Good morning to you. Hope you're doing well if you're still on. Swine Lord still on here doing his thing as always. Get up on out of here. Um, God Girl 360, thank you so much for listening. Hope you're having a fantastic morning so far as you're getting ready to go. I'm um, getting ready for work and things. Sophie said, I told someone everything I was going through and they uh, told others and and um, tell it to my um, tell it to myself face. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Sometimes we have people in this um in this life who do not who, who we tell our issues and we tell our problems to and then they turn right around and tell everybody else um, and their grandma 
about what we got but we about what we got going on and so you know we again we have to be ever we have to be we have to have a spirit of discernment to know who to confess our faults and our flaws to um sometimes it's not it's not meant for everybody to know everything um i love my i love my grandmother but i will never tell her a, another thing about what's going on with me unless i don't care who knows because she she is she is not the chamber of secrets i'll tell you that much right now hashtag harry potter she is not the chamber of secrets Okay, she is more like a, a, a freaking open coven <laughs> when it comes to the secrets. Like she, she's an open book. She can't hold water to save her life. And so I know better. If I'm gonna tell my grandma something, I'm gonna tell her something I don't mind be, being out in the open because she gonna tell everybody, and they, everybody and their grandma about what I got going on. And so again, you know, we all we have to have an, enough discernment to know who we can and can't confess our faults and flaws to. As we're openly, as we're openly trying to expose those things before the throne of grace. So I mean, I mean, for, for first, first and foremost, you know, when looking for maybe that's something we can talk about, you know, um, but um, to know who to to be able to kind of discern who we can confess our faults and flaws to, if not a therapist, um, we first need to make sure they're walking in lockstep with God. That, that's first and foremost. I'm not saying they got to be perfect. I'm not saying they got to be perfect. But you can see that they're living out the tenets of the faith. You know, they have a relationship with the Lord. They're, you know, they're, they're walking in, you know, in sanctification from one degree of glory to the next. Um, excuse me. Um, they are, you know, they're doing, you know, they're, they're, they're walking out their faith. And they're, you know, they have a good relationship with God. Um, two, they got some skin in the game. Um proximity matters um you know it's one thing to confess faults and flaws to people who you know are only you know work friends right only people that you work with it's a whole nother thing to confess sins and faults and flaws to somebody you've been rocking and lockstep with for 15 years you know what i'm saying like there there's there a there's a big difference between the two there's a huge difference between the two and so we got to be mindful of that mindful that you know sometimes um you know who we're in um you know um lockstep with who we're who we're walking you know in relationship with can sometimes be the difference you know um and and how close we are to that person can sometimes be the difference between um telling a secret and in that secret getting put out there um on, on main street keeping a secret and that secret being put out there on main street and so that matters um and then, you know, what have they done in the past when it came to when we talked to them about the issues that we've had? Like, what what has been their advice? What have they told us to do? How have they walked alongside us when it came to the issues and problems that we had? Like, what did we see out of them? That matters. Like, past, past experience matters. Now, you know, anybody can change, sure. Um, and so, sometimes, it's a matter of having a conversation with that person and saying, listen, man, you know... You know, when I have issues and things like, you know, we never talk about issues. We never, we never, we, we, we never, we, we never talk about me. It's always about you or, you know, anytime I've said something to you, like you always go turn and turn it around on me or you tell everybody and their grandma and I just can't, I can't get down with that. Extending an olive branch to see whether or not that by itself can be, um, you know, something that can be healed in that, in that space. But again, all the, all in all saying, have discernment. 
of who you can and can't confess your faults and flaws to. Because again, confession is good for the soul. First and foremost, confess those things before God. Whether you tell another soul, make sure you're telling God. Because again, he already knows everything anyway, but he, he desires connection and intimacy. And because he, can, he desires that connection and intimacy, he, does, he longs for us to be able to go before the throne of grace and say, hey, these are my issues, these are my problems, you know, holler, holler at me, like, you know, can help me with this, like, I need your help, I need your grace, I need your love, I need your kindness, I need, I need to know how do I deal with this stuff, how do I deal with vulnerability, how do I deal with insecurity, how do I deal with abandonment, how do I deal with, um, you know, um, numbing pain away, how do I deal with, you know, wanting to have fun, how do I deal with, you know, feel like, feeling like I'm missing out on life, how do I deal with, you know, all these different issues and problems, how do I deal with wanting love, how do I deal with wanting sex, how do I deal with wanting being addicted to drugs? How do I deal with, you know, trying to, you know, drown out the noise with mindless entertainment? How do I deal with this stuff? How do I deal with my body image? How do I deal with my self-image? How do I deal with my ego? How do I deal with my pride? How do I deal with, you know, um, you know, wanting to, you know, make all of my dreams and my wishes come true? How do I deal with all these different things that we turn to all these other sources for? Because again, when you really boil down the issues and problems to what we have, a lot of what we do are manifestations of desires. And those desires, if we can rewire them to be tapped into God and in holiness and righteousness, then a lot of the issues that we have, we can really deal with on a, on a soul level rather than just trying to deal with the surface level issues. Because as I tell people all the time, if you just get rid of the surface level issue but don't deal with the root problem, it's just going to manifest itself in another way. It's just going to show up in another sin. It's going to show up in another um, act. A lot of times people that have pride issues, they have pride issues by wanting to be big and bad before people, before they get hooked up with Christ. But then after they get hooked up with Christ, they never dealt with the pride issues and want to look good in front of people. So now they're just looking good in front of Christians. But they never dealt with the issue on the inside. And so now you, you say you got a relationship with the Lord, but you only got a relationship with the Lord because you want to be on the stage. You want to be seen by everybody. You want to be heard by everybody. You want to look good in front of everybody. And I've been there. That's been that's been one of me. People people pleaser. Wanting to be all about my wanna be all about, you know, let me let me show off my who I am in front of folk so people can see me. They can't they don't see my sin. I'm gonna push that to the back. But they see the good person that I am. They see the righteous person that I am. So that somebody can um can 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 say, yeah, I really like that dude. He's a real good dude. He's a real solid brother. Da 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 da. And I'm but I'm not saying I'm not I'm don't I don't care that they're saying that for for the sake of my um for for humility. I'm saying it because I'm, I'm letting them say it to me so that they can pump me up, pump my head up, give me the big head. And so again, we as the believers in God, we have to expose the root causes of our issues and wire them in such a way by virtue of the Holy Spirit doing that work of, 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 of going after what we desire in a way that honors God. Going after the things that we, that we love, the God-given desires that he's given us because our desires are not bad desires. They just have to be hardwired in such a way to where we're pursuing them in a way that honors God. Not pursuing them in place of God, but again, actively in pursuit of the things that we desire in a way that honors God. God says, glorify me in all that we do. To glorify me in all that, in all that we say. 
that, that that's the that's the goal of the Christian to glorify God and to make disciples glorify God and make disciples so how can I pursue sexuality in a way that's God honoring how can I pursue having fun in a way that is God honoring how can I pursue a career in a way that's God honoring how can I pursue ministry in a way that is God honoring all God is saying is glorify me glorify me you know we have these desires God placed them inside of us but he also placed eternity inside of us to where those desires will never satisfy the longings of the soul only God can do that but when we have a relationship with God God taps into us and then our desire to please him permeates throughout our relationship throughout our throughout our um our being our our, our 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 existence and so as a result the desires that we have god said i ain't trying to take i'm not trying to take the desires away i just want you to honor me through your desires that's all honor me through them you desire food eat food in a way that honors me you desire wine drink wine in a way that honors me you desire sex desire sex in a way that honors me you desire a career Go get that bag in a way that that honors me. You desire influence? Go get influence in a way that honors me. That's all. Like, just honor God in every way, shape, and form. God doesn't tell us to sit and be hermits and, and just sit and wait until he comes back to get us. No, we actively pursue holiness and do what we do in a way that honors God. That's all. Now, it's obviously much easier said than done but the joy that we get from honoring God in everything that we do is so satisfying it is so satisfying that nothing else compares to it to where I may be making thirty thousand dollars a year but if I'm making thirty thousand thousand dollars thirty thousand dollars a year in a way that honors God that can be much more satisfying than making $200,000, $300,000 in a way that does not. Because my soul has peace. And you can't trade anything for peace with God. Nothing else matters than having peace with God. The love of God, the joy of God, the hope of God. So how can we honor God? In the, in the desires that we have, how can our desires be hardwired to where we are um, glorifying the Lord, where we're honoring him in everything that we say and do? As Paul said in the word, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. And so when we openly confess our faults and flaws to God, we're not just saying, God, I messed up in this little sin area. We get into the roots. God, help me understand why. I don't want to just come to you every day saying, God, forgive me, God, forgive me, God, forgive me. No, I want to get to a point where I ain't doing this no more. I, I don't want to just keep going to my friends and tell them, please forgive me, please forgive me, please forgive me. I want to get to the bottom of it. So maybe we can eradicate this thing and I don't walk in that no more. I don't want to walk in that no more. Yeah, it might still sit there, but I don't want to walk in that no more. I want to be putting that to death every day. So help me get past this surface level sin and get to the root cause of it 
so that way I can deal with the roots. The, I don't want these weeds to keep springing up. I want to pull these roots out. Make more, more room for you. Make more room for your glory. Make more room for your love. Make more room for your grace. Make more room for your thanksgiving. Make more room for your patience. Make more room for your kindness. I don't want to deal with this stuff anymore. So help me get past this. God, forgive me for my surface level sins. And help me get to the root cause of it. So that maybe if we can eliminate the root cause or minimize it to where, you know, we are actively pulling it out from the roots every single day. I'm no longer dealing with the surface level sins. No longer dealing with the surface level issues. It's always, it's, it's interesting how gambling, for example, ain't, ain't necessarily for, for a lot of people. It ain't about just wanting to spend money. Sometimes people get addicted to gambling because they want to, they're addicted to winning. And they became addicted to winning by virtue of playing video games when they were little kids. And that's all that they were good at was playing a game and winning. Winning, winning, winning. Everywhere else in their life they lost. And so one day they went to the casino and they pulled the they put the put the money in, pulled it down, and now they're they're winning. And so now they can't stop pulling it down. Addicted to gambling. And they were addicted to winning. So now if we can, we, people, I don't want to gamble no more. Well, tell me what gambling does for you. I'm addicted to winning. So let's deal with that. The gambling, will, the, the, the going to the casino will take care of itself. But let's deal with this addicted to winning. Because if we don't, you might not go to the casino no more. But I bet you you'll go online. I bet you you'll pull up something on the phone that'll allow you to gamble some more and risk your money and your lifestyle all over again. And so let's deal with the issue. Let's deal with the, the stuff on the inside. But we got to confess that, God, I'm going through some stuff. And I need help to understand and unpack why I'm doing what I'm doing. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with y'all Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you so much for the 1,100 likes that we've received thus far. Any gifts that you guys give will go straight toward the True Gospel Ministry. I don't receive a dime of it. I got my own job, make my own money, pay my own bills. So any di any um, dimes or dollars that y'all give to this um, to this to this live today will go straight toward our subscriptions to keep the website and the podcast online. Um, and so again, I thank y'all so much for um, for your viewership. I thank you so much for the comments. I thank you so much for the likes. Um, <clears throat> and I'm thankful for your time and attention because you guys could be listening to anything else here on this platform and so the fact that you spend a little bit of time with your boy does not go underappreciated so I really do thank y'all from the bottom of my heart I see Lucianne Brown has joined us this morning good morning Lucianne hope you're having a great fantastic day um this morning um one of the questions that I saw in the um chat box said that human sacrifice was not allowed for our sin so why did God break that law um the reason why um, God broke that um, law, so to speak, is because it was already written before anything else was done. And no other person in this world could complete what Christ could. And so it is possible, um, number one, 
that God wanted to ensure that no one would ever sacrifice themselves except for Jesus Christ for the sin and atonement of the world. That's number one. Number two, um, because no one is perfect, um, no one, everyone has messed up, everyone has done wrong, everyone has been sinful. Um, no person could be the sacrifice for sin. And so the picture that God wanted to paint for us for atonement of sin is a perfect being being sacrificed for our atonement. And so back in the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, they were um, it was always the best lamb, you know, the perfect, unblemished, unspotted calf. Um, unspotted um, ca um, calf or unspotted sheep, unspotted lamb. Um, and so every year, um, when they um, the farmers they would get the they would always pick the best lamb. It was always the best. So out of the 150 or 200 or however many that were burned that were birthed um, throughout the harv throughout the harvest year, um, they would look and, and and scope out the best one. And that perfect one, notice the words perfect one was the one that was meant to be then slain on the altar for atonement for sin that it was perfect it was perfect and as a result of that as a result of that that was the picture of the atonement that Christ would one day then give to us that it was God's will that it was God's desire for us to always be atoned for for our sins and for our issues and for our problems and for our um, for our missing the mark, um, but we as people never could could be that person. So it would make no sense for any of us to go upon the altar. It would one. It would make no sense for us to go on the altar because none of us are um um none because uh, you know none of us are perfect. But two, it would make no sense for us to go on the altar because. We're the ones from which sin must be atoned. And so again, it would make no sense for us who need the atonement to then be put on the altar for atonement because then it almost nullifies the fact that we exist. You know, and it's just me spitballing out loud, you know. Um, thinking about the character and nature of God and the character and nature of man. Like, we're the ones that need atonement. So what sense does it make for us to be put on the altar for the atonement of sin when we're the ones that are in need of atonement um but again big bigger picturing it that's just conjecture bigger picturing it um jesus was always meant to be the sacrifice for sin all god all man just and justifier he was always meant to be the one to be the sacrifice on the cross for our sins and our shortcomings and so um and so although so although a law was in place, Christ still fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the law by becoming both just and justifier for, by dying for our sins and rising again on the third day that we may have eternal peace with him. And so that is the, that is the, the reason, the reason why, um, you know, we were never told to, 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 to put ourselves on altar. I mean, again, as I sit here thinking about it out loud, it would have made no sense no way because none of us, um, it would have made no sense for us because all of us are in need of atonement. All of us are in need of forgiveness. So what point would it be for us to go on the altar to, to be forgiven of sin when we're the ones in need of forgiveness? That's number one. 
But two, the sacrificial system was always set up to be a picture of what Christ was going to do. All throughout Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah and um, and all those boys, Zechariah, Zephaniah, Nahum, um, Amos, Malachi, um, all those boys, they all prophesied of a coming of a savior that would be the atonement of the sins of the world. That he would be the lamb that would be slain for the sins of the world. All of them prophesied about that. David prophesied about that in the Psalms. All of the scriptures pointed to Christ coming to be the atonement for the sins of the world. Even through Genesis, um, when um, when it talks, and I'll, and I'll read it um, verbatim for you guys, so that way you know I'm not out here just spitting, um, spitting nonsense. <clears throat> John, uh, John, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. This is talking about the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. Excuse me. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And that was indicative of what Christ was going to do when he came into the world and died for our sins. That by dying for our sins, the serpent did crush his, bruise his heel, but Christ crushed his head. And in doing so, he became the atonement of the sins of the world for us. He did that for us. And so again, it was never meant for another person to be the atonement for the sins of the world. We're incapable. We're all tainted. Even Adam could not be the atonement of the sins of the world. Even created in perfection, he could not be what we needed him to be, what we needed anybody to be. And so Christ, being the Prince of Heaven, descended onto earth, as it says in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Or to be taken advantage of. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him. And bestowed on him. The name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth. And under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Colossians chapter 1 says this in verse 15. Colossians 1 and 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, 
whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. And so God again is God again is telling us through the words of Paul that Christ died that we might live, that He became the atonement for the sins of the world. As a matter of fact, in one more place, which is one of my favorite places to um to talk about this, in Romans chapter five, He says to us, verse in verse number six. No, I'm gonna start with verse one, and read down to eleven. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us that in, in that, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we now have been justified um, by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. And so Jesus again is telling us that by his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and future return, we have been reconciled to God. That we are incapable of giving our lives up for the, for the sins of the world. You know, some of us will barely do that for people we love. But Christ did it while we hated him. While we were aligned against him. Knowing that we were going to mess up. Knowing that we were going to make mistakes. Knowing that we were going to fall short. Christ became what we needed him what we needed so that we could be called righteous before a righteous God because our filthy our filthy ragged um, righteousness would never get us in none of our atonement can get us in none of our sacrifices could get us into the kingdom so even if we sacrificed ourselves in some weird form of asceticism it would never be enough to atone for the sins of the world we can't even we can't even atone for our own sins let alone the sins of other people. Like, you understand the magnitude of that? Like, we are incapable of atoning for our own sin. We can't, we can't even clean our own selves up. We can't even get it right for us. Let alone the whole world. Let alone those who lived before. Let alone those who are living after. Like, we are incapable of dying for our own selves. We can't die for the sins of the whole world. So thanks be to God that Christ died. So that not just me, but you and you and you and you and you and everybody else 
can have reconciliation with God through Christ Jesus upon repentance and belief. So again, the sacrificial system was set up to be a um to be a um oh my gosh, I got it. I got it. I got it, God. I got it. Thank you. The sacrificial system was set up in such a way to where it would be a reminder of the fact that we are incapable of dying for our sins or we're incapable of um of, of cleansing ourselves. It was meant to be a means to show us that we are unrighteous before a righteous God and we need him to live for us and so someone was sacrificed for us. But he also but he, and also he would not allow human sacrifice because if he allowed human sacrifice then that would mean that somebody died for me. And instead of worshiping Christ, we would be worshiping that person. That person died for me. That person gave their life for me. Sacrificed his life for me, for my sin, for my shortcomings. And no person will have that responsibility or right except for Christ. No one. His glory will be shared with no one else. The Godhead's glory will not be shared with a person. Ever. Ever, 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 ever. And so he was like, so, so the sacrificial system was set up in such a way to where no one could get the credit for atonement for sin, for sin except Jesus. No one would get that credit. God is the one who atones for the sins of the world. Y'all know my favorite, if y'all know me by now, one of my favorite passages of scripture is Ezekiel chapter 36. In Ezekiel chapter 36, starting at verse number 30, verse number 24, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. And will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God and I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. Verse 32. It is not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord God. Let that be known to you. And then he skips down um, to um, to verse 38. Um, then they will know that I am the Lord. And in verse 22, he says it again. Thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them and the nations will know that I am the Lord when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. So again, God did all of this so that he can be glorified. He, 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 I, I will be glorified. No one else is getting the credit. I created you. I made you. I saved you. I sanctified you. No one else is getting that credit. I will not be shared with another. You shall have no other gods before me. 
there is no God greater than I. And because of that, he's like, nah, ain't nobody else getting the credit for this. So do your human sacrifice, do your, not do, I'm sorry, do your animal sacrifices as a symbol, as a marker, as a reminder of atonement that is coming. But when it comes, that's it. There are no more sacrifices. You don't see nobody sacrificing animals no more for the sins of the world. We don't do that no more. It's all about repentance and belief. Christ has done that work. And because Christ has done that work, God has done that work. God has vindicated his name by giving us a relationship with him upon repentance and belief in the one who died and rose again. So if we confess with our mouths and believe with our, in our hearts that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that God rose, raised, raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. And God's glory will be shared with no one else. So no, he wasn't going to allow anybody else to be sacrificed for our sake. Because to do that would then nullify the finished work of the cross. God's like, nah, no, no one's getting that credit. You're not about to say, well, you know, Jimbo died for my sins. You know, he, he sacrificed himself for my sins. Nah, bruh. We ain't playing that. Mm -mm. Billy Bob didn't die for your sins. Mm-mm. We're not playing that game. You know, Christ died for your sins. You know, you know, Jacob didn't die for your sins. Mm-mm. Joseph didn't die for your sins. No. We're not, that, we're not doing that. I... Jesus Christ and both just and justifier the one who holds all things together is the lover of your soul so much so that I God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that through him the world might be saved you're watching the true gospel morning show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok live Thank y'all for the 1,300 likes that we've received thus far. Certainly grateful for you guys being in and tuning in for us. Um, let's see. Um, Ryan is in the box and talking said, um, let's see, all knowing God created system. I mean, well, no, well, yeah, yeah, that, that's exactly what he did. That's exactly what he said. Um, once again, Mark Sagan talking about things being very fa fairy tales. Um, our beliefs truth. Um, yes. Uh, what's up, Idy? Good to see you this morning. Just scrolling through the um, through the thing. Scrolling through this. Um, he could have picked any other way. No, you're exactly right. He could have picked any other way. But, you know, God decided to do it the way that he wanted to. Um, and this is the way that he did it. Um... <clears throat> Vespertine um, asked the question why does a perfect being need to be glorified by primitive mortals um, so, so let's be clear and I'm going to use a cuss word to emphasize how how asinine that sounds God don't need shit from us he don't need a thing from us God doesn't need to be glorified. He demands to be glorified. There's a big difference between that. 
God is not some being who's sitting on a throne saying, please worship me. Please glorify me. Please give me worship. I'm deserving to be praised and worshiped and uplifted and exalted. That is not our God. Our God demands to be glorified by virtue of the fact that he created us. There, we shall not worship creation because creation didn't create us. So God does not need to be glorified. He demands to be glorified. But even in his demand to be glorified, he ain't going to make nobody do it. You got a choice in the matter. You get to choose whether or not you want to glorify God or not. You get a choice. Either you do or you don't. Either you're in or you're out. Either you're for him or against him. But God doesn't need to be glorified. He's not some ethereal being that's just up there saying, Please worship me. Please sing songs about me. Please play harps about me. Please glorify my name. I want to be worshipped. Please glorify me. That God, That is a weak God who needs to be glorified. God don't need shit from us. Okay? So, no. He doesn't need to be glorified. By virtue of being the creator of all things, he demands to be glorified, but he's not going to make you glorify him. He's not going to force you to glorify him. He's going to give you a choice. Either do it or you don't. God don't need us. He don't need me. He don't need you. He don't need none of these preachers and pastors out here. He don't need none of us. Just like somebody said, why did God decide to do it this way? God did it this way because he wanted to. He's God. He's God. He did it because he wanted to. Straight up. The, who are we as creation to question the creator? He, he designed it this way and he designed it this way for his reason. And he didn't he doesn't have to answer to us. Now, as a disclaimer, I always say this. Unless you have a relationship with the Lord, you are not going to understand why God did it the way he did it. You're, you're just not going to. So I'm not going to get into an argument about why did God do it this way. Besides, I've already done that battle two, three weeks in, and I'm and I'm asking God to help me to not go down that path no more. Because it just ain't no there's no point. Unless you have a relationship with the Lord, you are not going to understand the things that we're talking about. So this is your opportunity, as a disclaimer, because I'm getting this out there now, this is your opportunity to look into a conversation amongst Christians about what we're actually about and what and what and how this is empowering our lives. But to get in the philosophical debates about, well, why did God do it this way? Or I don't understand why God did it this way. You're not, you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to because you ain't got a relationship with him. Nevertheless, um, that's a digression. God doesn't need anybody to do anything. God is God and he don't need us. He doesn't need our worship. He doesn't need our praise. He doesn't need our adoration. He doesn't need our affection. He doesn't need anything from us. He don't need our time. He don't need our money. He don't need our resources. Everything belongs to him. The cattle on a thousand hills belongs to him. This whole universe belongs to him. I belong to him. You belong to him. Everything in this world belongs to him. It's all his. He don't need us. 
So no, God doesn't need our worship. He's not sitting on some throne, you know, waiting for somebody to sing songs about him as if he's like, oh no, they didn't worship me today. What am I going to do? That is not God. He doesn't need to be glorified. But he demands to be glorified by virtue of being the creator of all things. And when we recognize the awesomeness and the splendor and the majesty of God, our hearts just compel us to, 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 to glorify him anyway. Like, now you don't need it, but we want to. We desire to. Because we recognize the awesomeness of the, of the supremacy of God. Like, God is freaking amazing when we have a proper view of who he is. Like, there is no one like him. There's nothing in this world that compares to him. There's nothing in this world that, that everything in this world pales in comparison to the, to the might, to the power, to the awesomeness, to the splendor, to the majesty, to the, 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 the superiority, the, 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 the spectacularness, the magnificence. The, the, the opulence, I mean, give, give me another big word. It, it Nothing, I don't, all the words in the world cannot describe how awesome our God is, man. Like, nothing in this world can, 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 fully, can fully grasp how great and how powerful and how awesome he is. And the deeper, we talked about this last week, the deeper of a connection we have with God, the more expansive our knowledge and our love and our joy of him becomes like you it's like it's like you're if, if you think about your favorite thing in the world your, your whatever that favorite thing is the more you understand it the more you unpack it the more you dive into it the more and more you love it that is what happens when we have a connection with the creator god the more we know about him, the more we learn about him, the more we dive into his word, the more we spend time with him, the more we sit with him, the more that we meditate on him, the deeper and the expansive our love, our joy, our delight in him grows. Excuse me. A few years ago, I finally understood what the verse meant when it said, delight thyself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. When my desire is to know him, when my desire is to love him, when my desire is to be at peace with him, God increases that desire and fills that desire with the living water that never runs dry and the bread of life that never goes old. Like we get to eat and, and, and drink of the living water of, and of, the, of the living God every single day. And the more we grow in him, the more we love him, the more we honor him, the more we treasure him, the more our love for him grows. The more our desire to glorify him grows. You know, we, we want that. We desire that. When he says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. To anyone who wants more of his spirit. Not his stuff. Not, we, 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 our prayers are, oh my gosh, okay God, I, oh my gosh. Our prayers to God sometimes can be so short-sighted. Because all we want is for God to give us stuff. God, give me a new house. God, give me a new car. God, give me a new job. God, give me a spouse. God, give me kids. God, give me, but God is saying your prayers are so limited when I want to give you more of me, 
You, but you don't, it's like we don't want more of him. We want more of the stuff. God is saying, if you ask, seek, and knock, I will give you more of me readily accessible. It's not to say not to desire our houses, our cars, or whatever. But again, desire God at the uppermost. Like, God places that desire inside of us and compels us to love him, compels us to, 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 to desire him. And the more that our desire grows, the more we want to glorify God. We want to glorify him in our walk, glorify him in our talk. Glorify him in our practices. Glorify him on our jobs. Glorify him in our homes. Glorify him in our daily affairs. Glorify him on TikTok. We want to glorify him. But he doesn't need us to glorify him. One way or another, oh my gosh. One way or another, we are going to give God the glory. One way or another, we are going to give God the glory. Give me one second. See if I can find it. Give me one second. Second Corinthians chapter two, verse fourteen. Second Corinthians chapter two, verse fourteen. Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To other, to the other, a fragrance from life to life. So one way or another, we're going to glorify God. Whether we glorify him through our, you know, following him, worshiping him, serving him, loving him. Or whether it be through our denying of him, not wanting to follow him, not wanting to be have anything to do with him, questioning every time, you know, somebody's talking about the Lord. Oh my God, why are you talking about Jesus? Like, you know, whether we want to follow him or not, we're gonna get God's gonna get the glory out of us. Whether we're an instrument of death or an instrument of life, God's gonna get the glory out of us. Whether we, you know, serve him or whether we deny him, God's gonna get the glory out of us. So God doesn't need us. He don't need us. He wants us, but he doesn't need us. He doesn't need us to glorify him. He's glory all by himself. He glorifies himself. Christ glorifies him. The Holy Spirit glorifies him. They glorify one another. They don't need us to glorify him. They're going to get the glory out of us regardless. Because we, 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 we more we primitive humans, primitive mortals, as Vespertine suggested, we don't have the capability to rob or deny God of glory. Just how we choose to glorify Him is on us. So it's not a matter of whether He's gonna get it or not. He's gonna get it. It's just a matter of how He's going How are we gonna give it to Him? Are we going to give it to him through our love and our faith and our dedication to him? Or is he going to get it from us through our um, abandonment, you know, through our disowning of him, through our anger toward him, through our anger toward, you know, um, to anything like him? But one way or another, he's going to get the glory out of us. 
And so we as the believers in God, we got to know that. Come on. As believers in God, we got to know God don't need our worship. God don't need our praise. God doesn't need our instruments. God doesn't need the fruit of our lips. God doesn't need our service. God doesn't need our actions. God don't need none of that. Our God is so far superior than anything in this world. He don't need shit from us. Okay? And I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm using that for a reason. He don't need nothing from us. Paul said it like this. All the stuff that I've got, rubbish, dung, shit. He don't need us at all. He don't need our worship. He don't need our praise. He don't need our thanksgiving. He don't need none of that from us. But he compel, he could, when he saves us and redeems us, our hearts are compelled to worship him. Compelled to glorify him. Compelled to live in such a way to where he receives the glory, the honor, and the praise from, for everything that we do and say. And so, no, he as a perfect being does not need to be glorified by us. Why does a perfect being need to be glorified by mortals? So again, saying all that to say, God don't need us. He don't need us. He wants us, but he don't need us. For God to need us would make him an inferior God. And I don't worship an inferior God. We as the believers of God, we do not worship an inferior God. If God needed us that bad, we need to go worship somebody else. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. Thank you guys for the 1,400 likes that you've given us today. Thank you um, guys for the um, for the shares, for the, um, for the follows. Thank you for the gifts as well. Like, let's see. Um, Boogie Bravo 666 um, with the 666 is telling in and of itself but truth requires proof truth does not require faith um, so as I said last week I'm going to say again we walk by faith not by sight so if you're going to be a part of the kingdom you have to not see and yet believe don't know what else to tell you I don't have the proof of God's existence. I can't prove that you I can't I don't have any tangible proof of God's existence in terms of can you see him? I have no tangible proof of Jesus. Jesus went back to heaven. I have no tangible proof of his existence. So if that's what you're looking for, then go ahead and just end the pursuit today and leave us Christians alone. Because at this point, like I said, we can't prove it. We're not gonna sit around here trying to do that. Not here on this show anyway. Um Idy said, um, Heidi said, sermon yesterday was how too many will use religion to shade their evil deeds. That's not God's way. You're 100% right. You're 100% right. We just got done talking about that earlier today, as a matter of fact, when we were talking about the fact that, you know, that some of us have so much pride and ego that we won't talk about what's really going on with us and we'll use religion to mask and hide what's really going on underneath. When confession, God has given us in an, in an effort to allow us to be able to, to confess our faults one to another, to confess our faults before the Lord so that he can make us more and more like him as he exposes the root causes of our issues and rewires our desires in such a way to where we're able to pursue those desires in a way that honors and glorifies God. So, 
I asked the question, can we talk about Herod? Herod's hard heart. Um, give me one second. I'm going to go through the rest of these real quick. Um, so, yeah, uh, we can go through that really quickly. Um, Herod... Um, as we all know, um, was the king in, um, in Jesus' day, and his heart was hardened, um, hardened against God, um, hardened because he wanted to be king, and the talks of another king coming, especially through John the Baptist, well, he wasn't feeling that, he was like, oh no, somebody trying to take my kingdom, and you know how us people get when somebody tries to take our kingdom, we get really hard-hearted when it comes to people taking what we feel is ours, you know, we start to get really, really stocky in our hearts about that kind of stuff, right? And so, you know, we really start to really try to, you know, show chest and, you know, hey, you're trying to take my kingdom from me, trying to take my piece of peace from me. Um, and so Herod's heart was hardened um, because he was afraid that his kingdom was going to be taken from him. Um, and that's why he ordered the um, assassination of, of babies, much like in the days of Egypt. Um, as in an attempt to try to eradicate whatever king was coming to try to take away his kingdom and take away his throne um, and so his heart his heart was hardened because he was afraid that someone was coming for him but I want you to notice something in Matthew in both Matthew and in first Corinthians uh, chapter 2 in Matthew chapter 13 we find Jesus says this, these words when he's talking to his um, disciples and they ask him the question about why he teaches in parables. Matthew chapter 13, starting at verse 10. The disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered to them, To you it has been given to know the, to know the secrets of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, when that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Furthermore, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, one of my favorite passages of scripture, if y'all haven't noticed by now. Paul says these words, starting with verse 6 of chapter 2. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers, Herod included, of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So Herod's heart had to be hardened to get Jesus to the cross. 
Everything was orchestrated to get Jesus to the cross. Now, post Christ dying and rising again, Herod still had an opportunity to give his life over to the Lord. Whether he did or didn't, we don't know. There's nothing in the scriptures to suggest whether he did or didn't. But again, Herod's heart had to be hardened to get Jesus to the cross. Because again, if they understood who Jesus really was, if they really understood who Jesus was, if they had the heart to understand, the mind to understand, they never would have sent him to the cross. That's why we say, you've got to have a relationship with the Lord in order to understand any of this stuff. That's why I don't, I'm, I'm, don't like, I don't, I'm trying not to get in squabbles with y'all like I used to. Because you just don't understand. You don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You're not going to understand anything that we say. You're going to be right in your own eyes. And we don't have time to argue. Like, we're not going to argue with you. You're right in your own eyes. And so nothing we say is going to make sense. It's not supposed to. Because you don't have a relationship with the Lord. And so, again, had Herod had a relationship with the Lord, more than likely he wouldn't have sent him to the cross. He he would not be he would not have been an instrument to get to get um, Jesus to the cross, and so Herod's heart had to be hardened, so that everything could be orchestrated to get Jesus to the cross, and so we thank God for orchestrating everything the way that He did to get Him there, and our hope and expectation is that upon learning that Jesus rose from the dead, that Herod gave his life to Christ. That he that he surrendered his life to Christ. Again, we don't know whether he did or didn't. You know, it's not like Herod died as Jesus was ascended into heaven, so we don't know. But again, at the end of the day, Herod's heart was hardened because of his pride. But God orchestrated it in such a way to where that was going to get Jesus to the cross. And so we thank God that Jesus got to the cross so that you and I, upon repentance and belief, can be ushered into a relationship with Jesus Christ and have peace with God both now and forever. Listen, thank y'all so, so much for spending a little bit of time with your boy on this morning. Thank you for the 1,400 likes. Thank you for the follows. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for the shares. I am so appreciative to everyone who has come on the show today. Thankful for every um, question that was asked um, and thankful for you guys for giving just a little bit of your time and attention to the True Gospel Morning Show on this morning. I love y'all from the bottom of my heart and I'm so grateful every single time you guys come on this show and spread your love the way that y'all do. I would not be doing what I'm doing here. (coughs) Or maybe I would be. I don't know. But I'm grateful nonetheless that you're here sharing this with me. Um, part, Part of why I do this is for you guys. And so I'm grateful that you guys are spending a little bit of time with your boy um, and, and going about your day, hopefully to be inspired, um, to be enlightened, and to be given truth um, that helps you to be able to move forward in the walk of God that God has called you out to have. For those who don't believe, <coughs> we say once again, you're welcome. You're welcome to come in. You're welcome to share. You're welcome to, you know, to state what you need to say. But you're also welcome to listen in. Because we're all here spitting truth and knowledge. Um, and as a result, maybe some word can be planted in your heart that can then germinate and become the, um, the, the, the lifelong relationship with God that God longs to have with you. He stands at the door and knocks and just asks you to let him in. 
And so again, we're asked, we're praying, you know, that God continue just to, to, to rule and abide in your heart in such a way to where you're able to walk alongside him as we do. So listen, I love you guys. I got to get out of here. But as always, if you can't see the good, be the good. Love you guys. Peace out, homies.